I invite you to hear the word of God from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Prudence will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will save you from the way of evil, from those who speak perversely, who forsake the paths of unbrightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, those whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Let us pray. Father, now into thy hands we commit our spirits. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today is a very special day, for it is the day we celebrate those who are finishing one stage of their lives and beginning another. Along the way, they have made many good decisions, uh, many of them good, but maybe some of them perhaps not so good. Making decisions is a part of life, isn't it? And what the parents and the grandparents of those who are, that we're honoring today, those high school graduates, hope is that they have imparted enough wisdom and enough common sense so that these young people will make good decisions, or at least more good, good decisions than poor decisions. <laughs> you see, those of us who have been around for a while know that uh, we continue to make poor decisions throughout our lives. So it's important to remind ourselves of some biblical principles from time to time. Principles that help guide our decisions. Principles that help us make good decisions. I belong to a small group of pastors, and we meet virtually every week for Bible study. And then we meet for lunch together about once a month. And then twice a year, we get together for a three- to four-day retreat. We're actually leaving later today for one of our retreats. On one of our retreats to North Carolina a couple of years ago, we took a day trip over to Lake Genaluska, and we spent some time enjoying the view over the lake and walking up to the top for that overlook. If you've been there, you know the beauty of that place. Uh, being pastors, of course, we couldn't resist slipping into the bookstore for just a few moments as we were heading back to the car. Uh, but before we left the bookstore, one of our group, Dennis, told me that he, would, he was going to go ahead of us and he would meet us back at the car. 
Now, you have to know something about Dennis. Dennis is one of those persons who likes to surprise you. Do any of you remember those old Pink Panther movies uh, about Inspector Clouseau? You know, his butler would jump out at him at any unexpected moment. Well, that's what it's like hanging around Dennis. <laughs> he'll jump out at you at the most unexpected moment. He'll go, ha, and you'll go, ah. So as we were leaving the bookstore that day, it hit me. We are about to walk into one of Dennis's setups. Now, you don't want to be paranoid, but hanging around Dennis, sometimes you should be. Dennis would have known that path we would take back to the car. In fact, as I looked across the parking lot to see the car, uh, we were the only one parked there right next to a row of hedges, a perfect hiding place. Now, I didn't say anything to the other guys at first, but as we got closer, I quietly put up my arm and, and stopped them. And behind us there were a couple of adults walking with three or four young people who went around us and kept on walking in the direction of my car. And I thought to myself, perfect. I quietly whispered to the other guys, just watch. And sure enough, just as this group reached the end of the hedges, Dennis jumped up and went, ha! And everyone in the group began to scream and, ah, you know, that way. And, and one lady actually turned around and began running back in our direction. She was so scared. The young people were holding on to one another. And one of the men in the group turned to Dennis and said, why in the world would you do that? Dennis, of course, was speechless. Now, I have to confess that that I could hardly contain myself. Uh, you, know, you know that feeling when, when you're trying not to laugh, but it's impossible not to? And what was the better part of it was that the most surprised person in that parking lot that day were not those poor people, but in fact, Dennis. We were finally able to catch up with that group and tell them, we're sorry, but we're friends of this strange man, and we think he meant that for us. And the man who'd spoken up before looked at us, and then he turned to Dennis, and he said, why would you do that to your friends? Dennis was still a little bit speechless, and, and they began to walk away, and Dennis finally was able to regain some of his composure and began to apologize, and I was saying, yes. <laughs> now, I tell you that story to say that that was probably not a very good decision on Dennis's part. Wouldn't you agree? We all make poor decisions in our life from time to time. When we make good decisions, it's great. But when we don't, well, things don't turn out the way that we would want them to. Sometimes our decisions can even affect the course of our lives. Making decisions is a little bit like playing the game shoots and ladders. Anyone ever play the game of shoots and ladders? My three grandsons are ages six, seven, and eight now, which means that winning a game is very important to them. They don't like to lose. But then as their papa, I don't mind losing to them. And in the game shoots and ladders, you know, you spin that spinner and, and if you land at the foot of a ladder, what do you do? Well, you get to climb up the ladder and you skip over all those spaces in between. But if you hit a chute or a slide, what happens? You have to slide back down 
and then redo all those spaces in between. Good decisions are like those ladders, getting us closer to the finish line. Poor decisions are like those chutes or slides, returning us back to the start. You know, we have a word for that in our Wesleyan tradition. We call that backsliding. It's like a chute that takes you backwards and you realize, I've been here before. What you may not know is that that game originated in India many years ago and was originally called snakes and ladders. The snakes, of course, represented those things that were, we were to avoid in life, like lying and cheating and stealing. But when we made good decisions like saving and telling the truth, we would advance up the ladder. The game then was meant to teach young people that when they made good decisions, they would do well. But when they made poor decisions, they would not do so well. Of course, when the game was brought to America, the, the snakes were transformed into chutes or slides. And that took some of the sting, pun intended, out of the game. But the point of the game remains, making good decisions helps you and others around you in life. Experts, in fact, tell us that we all make some 35,000 decisions every day. That's probably one of the reasons why you're so tired every night, isn't it? <laughs> this means that, that you will make some 12 and a half million decisions a year. And if you live to be at least 80, you'll make more than a billion decisions in your lifetime. Those billion decisions are the sum of your life. For these young people who are graduating this year, uh, this, and they're here this morning, each of them have made some perhaps 200 million decisions already in their lives. And again, I want to say that making decisions is so important. But the good news is that God wants to help us in making our decisions. God has told us, in fact, in his word that despite what Milton Bradley might tell us, life is not really a game. In fact, God is designed in such a way that we can learn to make good decisions that are God-approved. Listen again to what he says. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and, and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. You know, when I read that again this past week, that, that God is a shield to those who walk blamelessly, something occurred to me, and, and I have to be honest with you here, I don't really need a shield of protection from you. You know what I need a shield of protection from? That's right, from me. The person to most likely mess up my life is me. And the good news is that God tells us that, that he wants to be that shield for me and for you. And this can only happen when God and his word is, is in our lives so deeply and so richly that we cannot possibly make a, a decision without God being in control. 
Now, we have to be careful here. It would be tempting for me to say that it all boils down to, to what you know. If you have the right knowledge, you'll make the right decisions, right? Young people, isn't that what you've been told all your lives? Isn't that what you've, why you've spent nearly all your lives in school is to, to get that right knowledge so that you'll make the right decisions? But here's the reality. Sometimes, sometimes I still do the wrong thing even when I know the right thing to do. It's not always about having the right knowledge. It's also about having the right relationship. And this is why having Christ at the very center of our lives is so important. What if Christ was at the very center of your life and can, could inform all of your decisions? What would your life be like then? What if Christ was at the very center of your family members' lives? What would your family be like? What if Christ were at the very center of every church member here at Mulberry? What would this church family be like? What kind of influence would you have on this community? It doesn't mean that we are superior to anyone else, but this is, how, this is where we find our identity, that Christ at the very center of every decision we make, at the center of everything we do. So let me boil it down a little bit. Make it very simple for us here this, today. And this is nothing new. You've probably heard nearly every preacher who's been here uh, preach on this before. Uh, from this scripture passage in Proverbs, we find two essential truths that we must certainly teach and practice if Christ is to be the center of our lives. I know you've heard this before, but sometimes we need a reminder. And here's the first essential. Prayer. Surprise, right? <laughs> But listen, there is nothing more important to your relationship with God than prayer. Parents, are you teaching your children to pray? Young people, are you praying daily? If not, I don't know how you would ever gotten through high school without prayer. The great theologian, Charlie Brown, once said, as long as there are math tests... There will be prayer in school. <laughs> I love to visit with my grandsons and help them, help put them to bed. Their parents have taught them to pray each night and they pray for their mommy and their daddy and they pray for their papa and gaga and all their aunts and uncles and cousins and friends. We, we call that intercession, praying for others. But I think we've also learned through the years that you can't just leave it there. But there is another step to take in prayers, and that is that prayer where you ask God, what can I do? It's wonderful to ask God to help a, a loved one or a friend if they are sick or going through a difficult time. But it's even more wonderful to ask God, God, what can I do to help my loved one? What can I do to help my friend? Show me how I can be of help. That's the point of prayer, right? It's the discussion, the going back and forth. 
A few years ago, I got home after a long day, and it was, it was during a time when uh, the church I was serving was having funeral after funeral. Uh, I don't know why funerals come in bunches, but they so often do. And anyway, I'd gotten home after a visit to the hospital, and when I walked in the door, uh, the kitchen, well, let's just say my wife, Mary Louise, had been busy cooking, and the kitchen showed it. <laughs> I figured she'd gone to all this trouble because she knew that what a day and I'd had or what a week and a month I'd had. And so I said to her, you're glad to have me home, aren't you? And she smiled and said, well, I am glad you're home, but this is not for you. It's for the family for the funeral tomorrow. You see, that's someone who knows how to pray. God, I ask you to help me to bless this family in their time of loss. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to bless them? When you start praying like that, then you become more like Christ who prayed for people. He prayed a lot for all kinds of people. And then he reached out to people and brought healing and blessing and love and compassion into their lives. Jesus allowed God to use him to answer his prayers. And my question to you today is, are you willing to allow God to use you in that way? To help you to answer your own prayers. The second essential is this, Scripture. Again, no big surprise, right? This is the way that we get God's ways into our hearts and into our minds. So much of, of good decision-making is simply obedience. And how can we be obedient if we don't know what God's Word is telling us to do? Sometimes we run across a Scripture passage that that we might struggle with. And, and so we talk about it and we put, the, put it alongside other passages. But, but for the most part, the Bible is very clear and it convicts us and challenges us. Do not lie. Love your enemies. Do not steal. Be kind. Love God. Love your neighbor. All of this is crystal clear and should be a part of our hearts and our minds. And young people, graduates, I want to challenge you to do something this summer before you leave to go to college or, or to get that full-time job. And you know, this is good for, for the rest of us as well. I want you to read the Gospel of Matthew this summer. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is seen as the great teacher, the new Moses. In Matthew, you encounter some wonderful teaching by Jesus, and then along the way, some wonderful examples of Jesus in action, serving, sacrificing, giving himself, blessing others. And with the Gospel of Matthew, I would say also to read one chapter of the book of Proverbs each day, a portion of what I just read to you a moment ago. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so you can, if you read one chapter a day, you can finish it in a month. Why the Proverbs? Because the Proverbs were part of Jesus' Bible. Combine the Proverbs with the story of Jesus and Matthew, and, and you will have that great foundation for making good decisions. 
if you, all of you, combine prayer with, with regular reading of Scripture, soon you won't have to pause and ask yourself, what's the right decision? You'll be like that athlete who, who trains so well and so often that on game day, the athlete's physical muscles respond automatically. Keep reading and studying until your spiritual muscles can respond automatically to any situation. Listen again. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, that is, reading the scriptures, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, that is, praying, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You are to look for wisdom and understanding as if it were something precious, as some hidden treasure. God's wisdom is like a hidden treasure that you can dig into and put your heart and mind into. And when you do, it will guide you in making all those billion decisions that you have to make in life. Why is this so important? Because the decisions you make today make the person you become tomorrow. Some days you're going to make good decisions. Other days, not so good. And it's not that you're two persons or that you have a split personality. The difference is simply one decision. We're really always only just one decision away from doing something, something that causes us regret or something that we can be grateful for. Something that affects our lives and the lives of others in a way that causes harm or something that brings about good. Listen, God's wisdom is so beautiful. It takes us by the hand and leads us to a place where we can learn to make good decisions so prayer and scripture these two in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen